I really wanted to rap with an American accent when I started. <laughs> Everyone does. I was like... I still do. <laughs> Welcome to Surviving Society. This season's broad theme is how we continue to deal with the legacies of empire. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season eight of Surviving Society. Hello. It is <laughs> It is the end of Jan. God, Jan's gone on forever. 2020. 2020. We said it was coming. It's going to be peak. It's peak already. It's, it's peak, what? It's only 31 days into January. <laughs> think peak. of the things that have happened this month already. Well, Brexit, it's, it's fucked. Oh, it's Brexit day today. Brexit so today as well. Yeah. We are joined today by Adib Abdul Razak, who is an artist, creative, Filmmaker and from East London, you get me, you get me, you get me. <laughs> and we've just found out that Adib's uncle owns Tiso's favourite curry house. Look at that link. Look at that link. So it did take us quite a long time to get recorded, but anyway, we're really excited to have Adib here because we love having creatives here because it's almost like they talk to the sociological imagination and how they're enacting it through mm-hmm. art and music. I think they have a different set of analytical tools available to look at different things that's going on in society, so through different mediums, right? So be that through music or through cinema, they see something, they kind of break it apart for us, right? Yeah. Good ones do anyway. Yeah, good ones do. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, T. And I think they do something that some of us, I know I'm not that creative in terms of music, writing, oh, all that are? stuff. No, but I really like listening to creatives. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're enacting what I'm trying to say. They're sort of giving life to it. Anyway, Adib, tell us about yourself. Tell our listeners about you. Hello, hi. So, my name is Adib Abdurazak. I'm a artist. I like to call myself a well, multi-kind of faceted, multi-crossing yeah. platforms, that kind of artist. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I, I've been doing music for a few years. Uh, I studied theatre. I studied theatre arts, acting mainly, and then doing a bit of directing mm. in my final year. Yeah, what, I what, do type, what type of music, though? Music, oh, well, okay, so I started off in a rock band when I was uh, age, like, 12, 13. Then I went into a heavy metal band. Then I wanted to be a singer. And now I'm a rapper. Sick? Yeah. I've, uh, He's a good rapper as well. I've seen him. pretty decent. Yeah? Yeah, I, I like to hurt myself. How do, you, how do you write lyrics, man? Uh, that, that process, how do you do that? Oh, it's really weird. Like, a lot of my music when I started off came from, like, me staying up until, like, 3 a.m. and mm. then, like, Whatever came at that time, it was very like sad as well. Like a lot of the things I wrote, mm. um, so that that was just how I would just like let go of like my emotions and kind of deal with whatever like pressures and stresses I was going through. I feel like that's really ahead of your age, like doing that sort of thing. I know lots of people like keep diaries, write poetry and notes and stuff, but I just feel like yeah, letting that stuff out in written form yeah. is at such a young age. It's really it's, it's a really powerful thing to do and probably very therapeutic. Thank you. It is very therapeutic. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the main reasons why I did it. But at the same time, I think I feel like some like it's not the best way to do it. Mm. I feel like if you've got like so many kind of pent up emotions and and anger and sadness, mm. you have to kind of lay it out in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Turning it into art is is beautiful. It creates it makes its own kind of entity. But at the same time, it doesn't let you deal with it. It doesn't let you let go of it. It almost kind of just packages it in a different way and then puts it there for okay. you to either share with the world or you kind of. Well, no, just let it go. I never thought of it that I way. I never thought about it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like emotion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a way of like yeah. that's part of your your life, mm-hmm. and like for you to almost manipulate it into art can 
like cause more problems than it does like fix problems. So I never thought from the artist's point of view. Thought, I never thought about it like that. We're, we're greedy, I just thought I'm a greedy consumer. Yeah, I am. A, yeah, a greedy consumer. I just thought, oh look, they're sharing that with us. That must yeah, be yeah. really good. But actually, that you're saying yeah. it could be quite painful as well. No, no yeah, but yeah. Like, again, like on the consumer's point of view, like you're kind of relating to it, and you feel like yeah, yeah your voice is like someone's thinking the same things you're like, yeah. something's mm-hmm. going through the similar things you're but on the artist's end like it could just make that kind of anger just build and build and yeah. build and build or turn oh, into right. something else I have to look at, I look at them differently now man yeah definitely yeah, yeah. so one of the things that we were talking about with you and Deeb in our pre-chat is T was sort of speaking to a little bit about or maybe we were talking about Brexit weren't we being yeah, Brexit yeah. day and yeah. We were talking about, in relation to that, and it will make sense as to why I've just said that in a minute, but you have just launched with your collective of friends, peers, colleagues, a new zine called Juice, Juice, which is about the South Asian perspective and your lived experiences as young people. Exactly. Um, Yeah, it's a South Asian experience. It's kind of people from the South Asian culture making art and kind of sharing their art and just creativity mm-hmm. with South Asian people. Like, we just wanted to focus on that. I think that's important, right? Especially, like I said, in this current moment where we have the tendency to kind of homogenise ethnic minorities. So that horrible acronym that we always use, BAME, right? Yeah. Or BME. Or BME. So we're all kind of lumped in yeah. together. So your kind of zine gives you a chance yeah. to kind of tease out and show, well, there's a granularity to it. There's a materiality to it. There's people there, yeah. different cultures doing yeah. different things that make up part of this British culture and they're, they're not from those places they're from both places yeah. occupying all these different spaces so 100%. there's a, a hybridity to it all right yeah. so you're British or you're from up north or wherever they're from yeah. right and that's and those kind of things I think are good to kind of relate especially right now yeah. um, T right explain to us what homogenous right. and hybridity right so just as a layman term we're homogenous where you just lump everyone together in one big group you don't really kind of Anyone people. who isn't white, basically. Basically. Yeah. Well, well, when we're homogenising, like using terms like BAME or indigenous, we're, we're not taking part of who's who makes up that group, right? We're not looking at the particulars, we're just lumping them. Lumping together, yeah. right? Hybridity, so basically a, a mixture yeah. of things, essentially. So hybridities, you can be a hybrid of, I'm a Londoner, but I'm also black, I'm also a man, I'm also short. No? Grenadian. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so does, does that so, make, what sort of TSO's analysis of the Z, well, sociological analysis, does that sort of make sense? Yeah, yeah. And particularly when he was talking, I was because I was lucky enough to come to one of your art shows and T saying, I'm not just from here, I'm from there as well. I feel like that was like the theme yeah, of the show, it wasn't was, it? Yeah. yeah. So um, the show you're talking about, Kerala to London, it's um, this. So it was my final project at uni. They there was a course. Uh, you better have got a first for that, by the way. I did. I oh did get a first. God, it was unreal. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliant. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they, it was the the module was basically like do whatever you want as long as you present all your research, present how you got to that stage, and whatever. Like you didn't have to make a show. You don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. You could just like research into something you want to do. Mm-hmm. But I thought it's the final, like it's my final thing I ever do at uni. Mm-hmm. I want to have that the uni to fall back on because if I did this project outside of uni, there wouldn't be like the help from tutors. There wouldn't be this kind of thing. So I thought, let me like start it up here. So Kerala to London is just about me, my kind of dual identity being British and being Indian, like coming from uh, first generation like immigrants, um, being the second generation or 
yeah, it's this weird mm. kind of description, but second generation, like, Indian, per, like, person living in London, growing up in London, like... In East London In as East well. London. Bethnal Green. Bethnal Green. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just kind of navigating life, navigating at one stage, like, talking to your friends in school and how they live and then going back home and your parents telling you the complete opposite and how to live. Mm-hmm. So then this kind of constant battle. So Carol to London is just that one-hour show of me through, like, uh, theatre, through music, showcasing this journey from Kerala, where I'm from in India, to London, East London. How do you navigate that? How how have you navigated that in your life? That kind of... Because I wouldn't say it's not even... It's not about... It's not a binary thing, right? You're made up of many different things. So how do you navigate that? It's this constant battle. Like, I think it's... It's just a journey, like, your whole life you'll always be kind of battling between the way you grew up and the way, like, this ideal way of life as well. So, like, for me, like, some personal struggles when I was growing up was, like, staying over at friends' houses. Like, I never, I was never allowed to kind of stay over at friends' houses. Like, my mom, my parents never, like... It's not because they didn't trust me or anything, but it's because, like... It's a cultural like, thing, right? Yeah, it's a cultural thing. Like, all of my friends were not Indian. Like, every person I grew up with not Indian. Like, the only people who were Indian were, like, family friends and stuff like that. Luckily, I had, like, a massive community mm-hmm. of, like, this family friends. They're called the MMCWAs, the Malayali Muslim Cultural Welfare Association, which were, like, sta- started up by my dad and, like, his kind of friends and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there was that... Luckily, we, like, we had that massive community when we were growing up. But at the same time, like, other than that, every friend I had growing up in Bethlehem Green was Bengali mm-hmm. or white or black. Mm-hmm. So it was just this, like... The way these people live and then the way, like, my parents and these people live and it's still to this day. Did you have a chance to kind of, especially, like, growing up in East London, so it's predominantly predominantly Bengali, right? And predominantly they're from Silet rather than Dhaka, right? Yeah, So there's a tendency there will people homogenise or blend in your your Indian identity into theirs, right? And so they'll say, where are you from? And then they'll say, they all say Bangladesh and you'll be like, I'm it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't care anymore. No, it doesn't. <coughs> like, oh my god, the amount of times in school where. So I'm Muslim as well. Yeah, okay. And obviously, when you think of India, a lot of people think of like Hindus Hindi, Hindi, yeah. rather than Muslims. Mm-hmm. So it was just. I feel like I got asked this question like every single day I was in like primary school, every single day I was in secondary school. But it would be like, oh, where are you from? And I'd be like, oh, Indian. Like, I'm, I'm Indian, I'm from India. And they'd be like, oh, so like, you're Hindu? And I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm Muslim. <laughs> and then they'd be like, but how? Like, there's just like this constant. And it, it's like crazy because like we look exactly the same. Like, like we both have like this kind of darker shade of skin. <laughs> And, you know, we're from, like, the general vicinity of South Asia. So, mm-hmm. like, but still, there was, like, a lot of, like, there was a massive barrier just because I was Indian and they mm-hmm. were Bengali. So even, like, growing up in that kind of I've, I've had to do so much, like, educating myself on the intricacies and differences and ov- obvious differences there are in South Asia, like mm-hmm. there is across yeah, the world. Well. But, like, because of that tendency to homogenise, I can't imagine what that's like living that. It's But it's still that colonial gaze, right? It's that colo- exactly. But, and I, I I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm doing a colonial gaze. But we have to understand... I'm going to work against that. But we can't separate ourselves from the environment that we've been brought up in yeah. and the epistemologies that we've been taught, right? Yeah. So it's about, especially, like, going forward, especially in 2020, is having those analytical tools to deconstruct these things, right? Mm. 100%. So it's about seeing stuff and knowing that these things are, are in me, mm. But also taking an urge to correct it. So if I don't know, ask, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I can't pronounce your name, ask, I'll ask you, yeah. right? Don't just go, what's your English name? 
oh, knock someone out if they say, listen, <laughs> listen, you know how many times people say to me, like, I, I told you I had a big thing in university, uh, why don't you take your name off stuff? Bro, that's my name, man. It's my name. Yeah. Bro, you take your name off shit. Yeah. Fuck John. you. Yeah. Sorry. You hit me. <laughs> But just going back to what you were just talking to Adib about, particularly thinking about East London, your time at school, all that stuff, that sort of What school did you go? I went to Swanley. Okay. Yeah. That's really informed your art, basically. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because obviously, growing up in that kind of uh, environment where even though you're still from South Asia, Mm. people are kind of against you. Then that made me kind of run away, like I was saying earlier. Like I, I wanted to be because it was almost like you you are the other. So I decided, okay, I, I don't fit in with this ninety nine percent Bengali environment. So what other can I be? Mm. And like I was really into like I wasn't because growing up, my parents liked me singing and stuff like that. They kind of put me on at like um, community events and stuff like mm. that to sing songs and uh, Islamic songs and uh, like Indian mm. songs and stuff like that. So. Um, I kind of that kind of creativity pushed me to like doing a lot more music and and like doing a lot more drama and stuff like that. So, uh, and the majority of people in those kind of music lessons were like white and not Bengali, and and the few that were like were very much like me, who kind of lent towards this kind of British side of themselves rather than their like home identity. Um, so, like now I'm leaning towards like being this British person, like, I started being in a rock band and I started being in a heavy metal band and I I started doing all of these things that would kind of, based off of, like, the environment and, and like you were saying earlier, like, assimilating and almost being, like, as kind of uh, innocent and and shy and, like, kind of withdrawn as possible so that people would accept me more. Like, in that environment, Mm -hmm. you want to kind of, you know, Mm. especially doing music. You want to fit in, man. Yeah, you want to fit in and you want people to kind of, like you, you want to relate to someone. You want to be able to re- be related to as well. So that was the kind of community I went to straight away. Mm-hmm. But then, even then, in that community, you're like completely the opposite. Yeah, you, you know you're not, I mean? they know you're not there. Yeah. yeah, they're not your people, exactly. right? And then you watch TV shows, like I said, like goodness gracious me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I only saw those kind of shows when I was really young. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. didn't kind of click at that point. And even when I'd watch it, it was it was more like I was too young to understand what was mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of funny or like slapstick comedy, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Then you kind of grow up a bit more and now, now I'm like 13, 14, 15 and then like Citizen Khan and oh, stuff comes on mm-hmm. TV show. You know, you're in environments where there's now predominantly white people. Then you're getting things like you must really like Citizen Khan or, you know, that kind of, <laughs> you know, stereotyping and then you're like, no. I bet, like, I bet your mum makes amazing curry. Yeah. <laughs> My mum does. Though, so I, 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 I can't, I can't kind of go against that one. Um, my mom's the best. Um, no, but <laughs> like, it is those yeah, comments. Yeah. It's those comments yeah. like, oh, I've, I've always wanted to try curry. Yeah. Oh, I've always wanted to do this. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to India. You know, yeah. I've been to like New Delhi or Bombay and yeah. stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm like the furthest away from yeah. those places. Yeah. So I have no idea what it's like. Then you're just like, shit, like now I don't fit in with these people. Now I don't fit in with these people. And then you're completely lost, especially in... in East London, mm-hmm. predominantly Bengali. Everything else is something that you're not. Mm-hmm. I'm from South India, so even mm-hmm. Indians, I couldn't relate to because mm-hmm. you know, like my science teacher was an Indian guy, mm-hmm. and he was from North India, so you know he speaks. Was, was in Punjab? Was he? Was... I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like yeah. probably somewhere mm-hmm. north. Mr. Mora was his name. He was a really cool guy. I could never relate to him because I was South Indian. I spoke like my, so I speak Malayalam, which is a very kind of rounded language, like our like 
when we speak like namaz samsarikin ringana like it's almost like a, it flows really different to like hindi which is like kind of choppy choppy yeah, yeah, yeah like so then like if someone heard you on the phone to your mom and stuff like that then they'd be like oh what are you speaking like are you sure you're from india or, <laughs> do you know what i mean so it's like just this complete like othering like yeah. as, as you grow up so even within the the group that you're supposed to be in position to exactly. be a part of, exactly. there's that like mm-hmm. disjuncture. There's that questioning, that yeah. othering. To this day, to this but, day. But that, that homogenizing, it's like I said, it, it's, it's an easier way of doing it because that's that lens that they've been looking through, mm-hmm. and most of us here. Yeah. So, for example, until like recently, like people are like saying, "Well, where are you from?" I'm yeah. like, "West Indies." What Jamaica? No, I'd be like, no, no, but it's the assumption that no, but it's the assumption that that's the only island that exists, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's because that's the most popular one that's coming to the the mainstream through Mm. Bob Marley and reggae music. So you understand, or if they say talk about Chinese people, most most people in the West understand they came from Bruce Lee and from the seventies onwards. So your the understanding of that place, which is of political and geographic importance right now, is limited for most people. And so it's that kind of understanding, especially in, 2000, in 2020, it's important for us to kind of shift that gaze now, mm. to be a bit more granular, to try to understand... The complex pictures, The, co- the yeah. complexity, but also that one, our point of view is only one lens yeah. looking at that place. They're also looking at us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And so how are they describing us? We are, like, again, like, we are in diaspora, most of us here, aren't we? And so we are comprised of different parts of that place. We're not from that place, because when I go back to my place, where my head's from, I'm like, where's the 4G? Yeah. Where's the Wi-Fi? Yeah. There's too many insects. Oh, my God. Where's McDonald's? Yeah. You've only got Kentucky. Stop asking me for trainers, <laughs> right? You get me? Them kind of things, because I'm not, I'm not from there. Yeah. But equally, yeah. I am from yeah. there. Yeah. Franz Fanning speaks of this better than I do. Yeah. Right? But that kind of schizophrenia that we encounter, yeah. it's debilitating sometimes, right? 100%. My parents, like, very fortunately... They took us, me and my sisters, to India almost every year, every other year when we were growing up. So every summer holiday, we'd go back to India. We'd all, like, all of my dad's family lives in India. My mum's like, brother lives here, but her sisters live there as well. So we'd go back, spend time with them, like, you're growing up, growing up, oh. up until I was 15, I think. And then for five years, we didn't go. And then when I was now 19, I went by myself. I thought, you know what, like, I've started uni. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, now I have a bit of money of my own. Like, let me just kind of go and, and see my family and just, like, spend time. And, oh, my God, like, I was kind of really excited because I have all these memories from my childhood where I just spent time, like, kind of growing up. And then you get there and it's this completely different world. Like, again, this is, like, a, a moment in time where I'm, like, really confused about my identity and I'm like, oh, who am I, blah, blah, mm. So I go back and I'm trying to find myself, you know, doing a typical gap year student <laughs> kind of vibe. You're not seeing yourself. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Because, like, you know, I, I listen to... I listen to rap music, I listen to hip-hop. Like, mm. that's my kind of favourite thing, do you know what I mean? And going back and then my cousins are listening to, like, just kind of, like, techno, but, like... Or like Indian music, and I'm just like, oh, I can't relate to that. So let me find something else. Or what kind of films do you watch? What kind of TV? What kind of football do you like? And you're trying to like grasp at things that you can connect to them on. And then you know they're talking about like different cultures in like a very kind of angry way, like as if because they only know India mm-hmm. and they only know people who look like them. Mm-hmm. So then you know when when you bring up someone like 
a famous black artist or a famous white artist mm-hmm. or f- like well not white people they kind of you know idolize them but like famous black people and like famous like races other races and stuff like that it's kind of like a negative undertone to everything there's like racism do you know what i mean and i'm like oh like that's not what i, I was expecting do you know what i mean you're people of colour, like, mm-hmm. you know, you you know what kind of struggle, you you live in a country which was colonised, like, yeah. mm-hmm. do you know what I mean and you get to learn that history and you get to learn, you know, how bad that kind of effect was, we in in, in London don't know what you know, happened at that time, we just l- listen to our history lessons telling us mm-hmm. Winston Churchill was this amazing man mm-hmm. not the fact that, you know, he, mm-hmm. he starved like millions of people mm-hmm. and killed millions of people in Bangladesh and, mm-hmm. and you know his, this kind of colonial empire, mm-hmm. like decimated it what was such a strong power in the mm-hmm. world so you think they'd know better like you think they'd understand a bit better but it's almost the same thing and that othering and and it's like you get there and, and now you're just like oh shit like maybe just everyone's shit and everyone's bad <laughs> and everyone's a horrible person do you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. what you've got what you've got to think to do though they're still a victim of their circumstance 100%. they're victims of colonialism of empire 100%. and white supremacy yeah. white supremacy is a drug that can be taken by people of color yeah. like that that's 100%. a fact like we see anti-black racism islamophobia amongst all our yeah. ethnicities and it is we talk. I feel like we talk about this all the time. Like it hurt. It hurts, doesn't it? Because we have we have a lot in common in terms of particular forms of racialization. But when you hear those different but, forms of racism amongst, but you have to understand yeah. the, the kind of colonial apparatus that's used. Right? Some are so some are some colonial setups are set up for extraction only. Right? So there's a different vibe. So India is a perfect example. Yeah. Right? So I'll go there, take it for it, and just leave a mess. Yeah. And leave them a certitude, but then somewhere like America, it's a settler mentality. So settler mentality means eradicating the people that were there before. Yeah. So therefore, I would need to wipe everyone out. So there's a different colonial apparatus in operation yeah. in all these places and all these spaces that generates different kind of way mentalities of way of, of being. So, for example, in India, I've left the whole legacy of railways, yeah. education. I've stratified it on the basis of English classes of the English yeah. caste system, right? Yeah, and yeah, that's which is on top classes. of the on top of the caste system which already exists, yeah. right? Which already has notions of color right? colorism yeah. in it, right? So is it Dalit? So you're probably usually darker people outside yeah. at the bottom. And so that's not too far away from being black, right? Yeah, exactly. So you have to understand these things here it's far from colonies, it's more the imperial mindset, because yeah. you don't have to have a colony there. It's the imperial attitude that's pervasive. And it, it, why? Because it's very recent. And I don't think, like I said, in this current moment in 2020 you can see shades of that here now. So in Brexit Day 2020, what's it, 31st January? Anyone of colour that lives here, you know the score. We know what time it is, right? We know, right? But, yeah, but that's the thing, like, with Brexit especially, I feel like, obviously, there's a lot of people in London who voted, like, majority of London voted to remain, and, like, majority of the outside of London, like, a lot of other cities and stuff, <laughs> a lot of other towns and villages voted to leave. But... Even, like, I know, I have family members who have voted mm-hmm. to leave. And that is crazy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, these are immigrants. These are people who have come to this country on the basis of that, you know, it's a better life. They can work here. They can earn money. They can send that money back to their family in India. Mm-hmm. And they've decided, mm-hmm. you know what, fuck all of these people. It's a madness, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, I, I can empathise, but we have to understand that cause the lens that you're looking through is different. 100%. But, but how do you reconcile that with the oppression that you feel? Yeah. So when I see someone like Pretty Patel, yeah. or when I see someone like James Cleverly or all those men there, I'm saying, 
bro, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm saying, like, really? Like, I said, listen, when you leave a room, all their mans there are just laughing at you. Yeah. They're yeah. laughing at you. You might have come here, but you 100%. leave that room, they're laughing at you. 100%. You know that. I know. So, so I, w- I would love to ask if I don't know, because I don't want to speak for them. Like, do you really believe what you're pushing? Yeah. And also, just to be clear, and I think as black people, as people of colour, South Asian heritage in this room, this isn't us saying that the European Union is some sort of utopia. No. This is us saying that we know stuff like Brexit makes and sustains white supremacy, yeah. racism, yeah. interpersonal structure. It's more against... Our voting for Remain is a vote against nationalism, but, but which see, kills us. But what's interesting, though, right, and in, in this debate where we're talking about the idea of homogenisation, right? So, at the moment, we're all homogenised under the label British, right? Yeah. But the British, is cons- this island, this, this union, is comprised of four different nationalities, right? We've homogenised them. Yeah. And now people are asking for their own independence, that granularity. Scottish asking for the same thing. Yeah. Scotland voted to Remain. Ireland wants its own identity. Wales, these people have fought for that identity, but we've homogenised them. But in 2020, there's a possibility that all these people want the same right that, that the British wanted to leave, right? Yeah. So what you potentially could have is this granularity coming to fore in Britain. Well, it wouldn't be Britain anymore. It'd be Scotland, England, I was, Ireland. I was reading something the other day. It's a Gaminda Bambra's piece. I'll put it in the episode notes, talking about how recent this notion of Britishness in terms of the British Isles was and how before, I think it was the Citizenship Act in the 80s that she talks about and how that actually embedded the island, the physical islands of Britain to Britishness. But before that, people within the empire... Yeah, British. Could, it, it it was, be... It's pretty reasonable for them to be like, we're British, we're British, but that's done. Right, it's no, over. No, 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 listen, listen, but listen, it's quite... right. So you you in the debate recently and I, James O'Brien had a woman call her for this, said this as well. You could be British, but you're definitely not English, right? Yeah. You, oh, yeah, you, yeah. You're definitely not English. You could yeah. be British, but you're definitely not English. And that takes us back to there ain't no back in the Union Jack as well, yeah. Paul Gilroy. Like it's all, it's just so mad. Like all these things repeating itself. And but uh, but and I think this is kind of it speaks when we start to kind of link to what Paul Gilroy. It's what you're kind of saying. The idea that when you went back home, you had the idea of roots as in R O O T S. Yeah. But we should think of ourselves as more as roots, R-O-U-T-E-S. Oh, we go back and forward, right? So we, we in us, we hold all those things, yeah. right? So he looks at the travelling of ships, right? Yeah. So the transatlantic slave trade. Within ships is a microcosm of roots yeah. traversing back and forward. That's human nature. We've always moved. So you're, me, everyone in this room is a combination of things. We're not just one thing. We can never be just one thing. 100%. And if we if we thought of ourselves more as the roots of a you, we get away from the notion of primordial things of unchanging entities that existed for time. Yeah. So the idea of an Indian person that existed over time, no, it never existed. So when, when I talk about people about Indian history, when I talk about Ashoka the Great, no one knows who Ashoka the Great is. Man, he, Buddhism too, he's like Alexander the Great of the Indian world, mm-hmm. right? Killed loads of people, then he has a kind of moment of clarity, and he starts spreading Buddhism all around India. You see these things said, it's a different story. So we are a combination of things, not a thing. And that's what Paul Gilroy is powerful. Mm. Man's been reading a lot of books, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I Love think it. that's what's... I think what you're saying as well, T, brilliant, by the way, is a little bit like what Adib is talking about mm. through his art and also through Juice. Yeah. And Juice is something else that you were going to talk to us yeah. about on this podcast. So tell us about what Juice is and why it's important, and particularly when we're moving against this 
homogenizing of uh, people of color. Yeah, so juice is. Yeah, Juice is almost homogenizing South Asians, <laughs> but uh, hopefully in a positive manner. It's kind of focusing on South Asians, focusing on the different, different lives of each kind of person in South Asia. I feel like me coming from South India, Kerala, to someone who's coming from, you know, the Kathmandu, you know, we live completely different lives. Like... There's so many different things we would have experienced in our entire lives, and I just wanted to create a platform that would allow people to just share their stories mm-hmm. in the form of art. It doesn't have to be art necessarily, in just any form, any kind of you know way they can. I feel like with Juice, well, yeah, we're working on Issue Zero right now, and Issue Zero is just focusing on a few artists. We've featured a few artists to just tell their story. This is another thing as well. Like When you're creating art as a person of colour, for a moment, it had to feel like it was all about your identity. Mm-hmm. It had to be where you're from, mm-hmm. why are you doing this, who are you, do you know what I mean? But I just wanted to create a platform for South Asians where it was just them creating art. For the yeah. sake of art. For the right. sake of art. Yeah. Right. And, you know... But that's liberation, that's exactly. freedom. And, and just being like, you know, it doesn't have to be here, like, here's where all my family roots, family tree kind of spreads mm-hmm. to. Here's exactly where I'm from. Here's exactly where I am. It doesn't have to be that. It can just be, you know... I'm South Asian, I'm from East London, I'm from Bethnal Green, and here's the art I'm making. But you know the madness, and this is, this is what we want to do, right? But the lens of Orientalism would say, if you follow it, would say, he would say, like, everything's political, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Art is political. Yeah. So it like, even if you've wrote, wrote, made a dish, an exactly. ashtray, exactly. the interpretation, depending on who has the gaze, exactly. interprets it in a certain way, yeah. right? But we don't have to be so blatant about it. I think, mm. like, for me, mm-hmm. personally, like, I made a song. My first ever single was called mm-hmm. Brown. Mm-hmm. And the so entire song, the song is about being brown. It references kind of, like, so many different aspects of being brown, being South Asian, you know, names, places, name drops, everything, mm-hmm. all of this. And then I thought, oh, like, am I just using my culture? Am I kind of just, like, twisting or manipulating my culture? Mm-hmm. And everything about my art now has to be about my culture. Mm-hmm. But then I realised, no, it doesn't. Mm. At the end of the day, when people look at my face, they will think a certain way about me. They, mm. will, they will relate me to a certain thing. And mm. I will always be brown. Mm. I will always be South Indian. Mm. I will always be this. Regardless of the art I make, like you said, mm. you will always, it, was, it will always be political. It will always be kind of related back to who you are. Mm. So kind of giving juice and giving this platform for South Asians, I want people to realise, yeah, of course, you're South Asian, you're brown, you're this, you're that. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters in this space mm-hmm. is your art, is what you're putting. It's powerful, out. man. It's powerful. I think, I think definitely we need space. You need space to create a space like that to be, to allow to allow people to speak for themselves, exactly. right? Our voices up until very recently have been either muted yeah. or sometimes missing from conversations, yeah. right? Or people spoken or spoken spoken on our behalf, behalf right? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 when the people when it's our people speaking on our behalfs, yeah. they're fucking chiefs, man. Yeah. They don't, they're not representing me, yeah. man. I think those things are super important. Like I said, right now, especially with... Personally, it's more about for young kids right, to have their voice mm. because I don't want to speak for young kids anymore as an adult trying to tell them how it is yeah. because I have a thing about youth, youth cultural movements being suppressed and it's across the board, right? Yeah. 
So it's about young kids having space. And right now, they're quite fortunate because the technology is at the point where young kids have, can do more stuff so much and have less control from adults, yeah. right? When I got sent it, mm. it's incredible. I was like, oh my God, you guys have done this in like less than a month. How long take you? Putting it together has taken us maybe like the last two months. Juice like came about. I've been wanting to do this since like 2018. Mm-hmm. My New Year's resolution for like 2018 was that I'm going to create a collective, a space for brown people. Mm-hmm. And it was originally called Brown Collective. Mm-hmm. And it featured like, it was me and my friend Iftika Latif, who's a, an amazing writer, by the way. Check him out if you can. But yeah, so we created it together. He, he runs his own poetry nights now every mm-hmm. month off the chest. It's amazing. You, you want to create a space, right? So is it, so? How do you go out and find it? Can anyone just write to the magazine, or how how do you go? Out, how do people go about finding this space? Um, so obviously, we want to put issue zero out there because yeah. we want it to be kind of like a here's our calling card. Here's mm-hmm. what we're going to look like. Here's what everything is about. Mm-hmm. Now you can send in your submissions because we felt like if we start with the issue one, mm-hmm. no one's going to kind of not be interested until issue two. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't know what it's about. What why, what are we standing for? What's our like kind of mm-hmm. ethos and stuff like Very that? Good. So. We thought, you know, with the issue zero, we can just kind of um, get things started. It's almost, it's got, it's going to, issue zero is nothing like a magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is the complete, well, not opposite, but it is this kind of deconstructed version of a magazine, very short, mm-hmm. just kind of more visuals um, featuring people, just getting you to kind of know people in the South Asian art community. So, Adi, if people wanted to submit to yes. Juice, which is what you want, you want South Asian people from all walks of life to submit blogs, poetry, art, anything they want, and you guys will assess it and decide whether it fits in. So there's an email address that they can send it to. Yeah, there there is. It's, um, yeah. We'll put it in the episode notes. So, yeah, that's good. So that's really exciting because I'm sure there's people that listen to this Mm. um, podcast that would be interested in Mm. submitting something. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be able to submit, and we want to kind of spread it out as well. Like, we... We're starting off with a magazine just because myself, uh, Evelyn Miller and Raisa Patel. Ray, she is studying fashion communications and, and her kind of main art form is like magazine and creating magazines. So really? we kind of went with that art form just to kind of focus for a, for a moment. And, you know, Evelyn kind of brought about a lot of like bringing it together. A lot of the writing is done by her and the kind of... Project management. Yeah, it was yeah. just, yeah. And I, I just kind of oversaw it, kind of building it and putting it together and reaching out to people and stuff like that. But um, what was I? What was I saying? I was just saying what I was sort of getting onto on this stuff and what I was trying to explain to T is young people now are just so powerful because they've got so many tools to get stuff out faster. <laughs> the mainstream are not going to be able to keep up with them. Like making their own platforms, making their own media outlets, like, it's so exciting. I like the idea it's decentralised, right? So you, you could be who you want to be. But it's... We always have to be mindful that the gatekeepers are still corporations and it's still linked to capitalism. So it doesn't matter how decentralised you get yeah. to promote your message, you're going to have to go through a capitalist platform. 100%. Google, or you yeah. have to use Amazon servers, whatever it will be, right? So Yeah, yeah it's hard, isn't it? It's like we're sort of existing... Within and outside of, but that sort of bits outside of, we have so mm. much more control of. It's crazy. We're, take, we're taking control of our own narratives. Well, well listen, for example, you're a rapper, right? Mm-hmm. Now, a few years ago, you wouldn't be able to kind of make your own music, 
in your house, right? You could actually, see, if you wanted to, do it from your phone, right? Do it, upload it, and get hits. And those hits generate, you can monetize those hits, right? That's a different thing. That's a new phase that we're into. Mm-hmm. And that level of control, it's, it's, for me, it's exciting, right? Because you can be an artist in its own right. Yeah. You can be that person that you want to be. 100%. 100%. I think there's like a, a new kind of level of independence mm-hmm. uh, in that's all right, art forms. That's right, independence, yeah, that's what I in mean. In all art forms, so. <laughs> Being old, right? So, or older. So You're before, old. No, but it, like I said, in terms of like a subculture, for example, hip-hop, right? When I was younger, a hip-hop person was a certain type of person. It's going to be a black dude from America. And that the idea of anyone else doing rap, you'd laugh at them. Mm-hmm. But now... That, that doesn't exist anymore, and to me, that's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, you can you can be anywhere, and no one will say a word if you say you're a rapper. People take you seriously. Yeah. When I was growing up, if someone said if if someone from London rapped in a London accent rather than an American, you're a failure. Yeah. It's a joke. It's a, but but now now it's the other way around, right? You rap as yourself. Yeah. And that's, that's empowering, right? Yeah, I really wanted to rap with an American accent when I started. <laughs> Everyone does. I was like... I still do. I yeah. didn't know that. I, I still do, man. <laughs> <laughs> so he says now some movements of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending to rap. Oh. <laughs> so just to, just to round up a little bit of deep. So really exciting. We've got Juice launching. Like, it's going to be so great. Guys, check out the website yeah. in the episode notes. If you're South Asian and want to submit something, get it to them because they're going to be. I feel like you guys are going to be big. Thank you. And then you've also you've got your music. Yeah. And you've just recorded a music video as well. Yeah, listen, yeah, yeah. you'll just say, I'm going to say it now. I want to be in a video. Yeah, I want to be in a video. I want to be in a video. Can we be in the next but one? But I want to be in a video. Make it slow motion. <laughs> I, want to, I want to do a slow motion. A slow motion thing while I'm doing this. No, so you're drinking and going. Yeah. Again, I will now describe what Tiso's doing because he forgets we're doing basically radio here. He's sipping a drink. No, no, you know, in hip hop videos, you see them and someone's drinking and they're nodding their head slowly. It's a cool nod. The cool nod, that's it, that's it. Cool nod. And I've got, I've got decent coat, and you flash my trainers. You flash. Your ha- trainers have to be in it. Don't worry, I'll, I'll, I'll make it happen. Adi, I'm, I'm, I'm family. Pro- you get me? I'll, I'll make it happen. I just want to say this, this. Uh, <laughs> I'm all for the slow motion. By the way, every my first music video, I just wanted it completely in slow, slow motion. motion. But I had Standard. people kind of going against me, so I had to put a bit of normal. I think the majority of my old music video is um, slow motion. Slow motion. Yeah. Adi, same way, East London link. It has to be. Has to be. We'll have the. I don't mind about not being in the video, but I'd like to be on site for production. Oh no, 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 no of course, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'm um, so, so, yeah. Okay, we'll sort out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've just in. you've just recorded a new music video, yeah. and that's for a new single, which is called East Side Airlines. East Side Airlines. So, what's the song about? So, um, it's it's a bit of a. So again, Kerala to London. The theatre show, it was based on an album of music that I created. I wanted that whole kind of theatre show to be, you know, as collaborative as possible. That's why there was an art exhibition with it, theatre, music, everything. So I asked, um, I put out a call. I said, uh, who wants to work with me on an album? Luckily, a few people responded. And one of my, like, close friends, Yemzo Katana, um, he is amazing. Musical, like genius like absolute genius he i i just literally i told him i want a song that encapsulates kerala india and east london 
And I want it to be set in East London and I want it to be all about East London. But I want it to have hints of this dual identity. Mm. And I want you to just kind of create something beautiful. Mm. And he said, yeah, fine, that's cool. And then like a week later, he comes back and he's like, oh, Deep, I've got this like little bit. I don't know if it's going to be good. Uh, he sent it to me and I was blown away. Oh, my God. Like the intricacy, the, how much detail, how much depth that, that this song has is like all down to him, his production. And, you know, I came up with some of the lyrics, the chorus and stuff. And then it was just like magic. Like he was so good. Like I, I decided to like every kind of middle bit in the show itself, he produced. He produced another song as well on it like the outro and the intro like he's amazing but um this song is all about east london it's about this kind of journey uh our air travel service is called east side airlines mm. and it's just this journey about east london and how like we kind of grew up and and our lives and like it just kind of hints at all of these things and yeah it just takes you on a journey and it's just fast paced it's very but that's a theme i think that's i've seen throughout your artwork yeah. whether it's your music um poetry, yeah, a bit of poetry and then the art the actual physical artwork that you had at your show yeah. like and this airline theme like yeah. runs throughout yeah. it like from kerala to london well, like say, the, the idea of roots right yeah roots exactly. yeah with you you're, you're it's a journey right yeah. what kind of struck me when you're talking about east london the east end is a a complex place, man. Oh, complex. It's a com- so as sociologists, it's like a petri dish, right? Yeah. We, it's, people study us because it's poor. Yeah. Tends to be have loads of migrants, yeah. and so historically, sociologists, uh, anthropologists would always study this area. It's like a yeah. test, a test case. Yeah. Especially, I found this when I've kind of grown up. When I've gone to other parts of London, I have never felt that kind of the mix that we have there, right? So, no I when I grew up there, it was predominantly white. And Jewish area, yeah. right? And then Cable Street. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so you, then you see you get an influx of different groups of people, and it's always changed that flux. On Brick Lane, there's the mosque yeah. that was a synagogue prior to that, and prior to that, it was a a, a church for the Huguenots, right? Who's a, a, a bunch of um, Protestants fleeing the wars of religion in France. So you see, this area, it's it's vibrant, it's cosmopolitan, it's all those things. However, the paradox is, it's ultra racist at the same yes. time. Right? Yeah, I, it's a madness, right? It's it is, a madness. Because it all your white friends will be like, T, listen, you're all right, but your pals? Yeah. I'm like, huh? yeah. <laughs> what? What? My pals? They're black too. No, nah, no, nah, T, they're not like you. Like, you're like us. Yeah. And obviously, sociologically, like, we, we, they see me as a contingent inside because yeah. they know you. It's different. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, obviously, I grew up in Bethnal Green. I spent 12 years in Bethnal Green, and then I actually moved to Barking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know Barking. I went to Barking. <laughs> but wait, here's yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. Out of 24 hours, yeah. I was only in Barking for the time I slept. I still went to school every day in Whitechapel. Yeah, yeah. Every morning, I'd wake up, I'd take um, a bus, a train, all the way to school, an hour and a bit, mm-hmm. every morning for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back to Bethlehem Green because mm-hmm. my grand still lived there. So yeah, yeah. it's crazy because you go from like this, this predominantly Bengali area. You grow up with friends who are all of different, you know, faces, different cultures, different everything. And then you go to Barking and then it's just like white. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh shit. Like it was the hardest thing because I've, I've never in my life had it's friends scary. in Barking. Never. Mm-hmm. Like I've lived there. The majority my sisters went to school there from a young age. Mm-hmm. But I have never made friends. The only friend I had in, in that area was a friend who went to the same school as me. Yeah, yeah. So we'd always like take the train home, mm-hmm. and that was about it. And but that's that's what's also quite worrying. Like, so that some of the discourse that's kind of floats around, it's been floating around for the years, is that they all say London's finished, and the kind of implication is that it's finished because of multiculturalism, yeah. right? 
So they it's think the best. The, the best, right? So listen, when I've left, so obviously I grew up at a time when it's predominantly all white people, right? Yeah. So I went to see my friend a couple of months ago. And they live in Essex now, right? So I've gone there and I thought, for fuck's sake, I didn't realise my, my, it was that white. Like, I actually, for the first time in my life, I, I realised, but I grew up in this, man. But this is, and this is what I think is interesting about this, and we will have to wrap up a little bit, but just to get into it a tiny bit, when we're saying about these white spaces and what it's like being black and brown in these spaces, it's not that we're saying that these spaces need to stay white it's not that we're saying that these places need to stay white without us in it. It's saying that that actual whiteness as a structure and as a population isn't actually great for anyone. It's not even good for those white people. So it be it, us existing in these spaces, obviously they can be violent for us mm-hmm. on an interpersonal and symbolic basis, but that lack of multicultural, multi-ethnicity is not good for those white people as well. I was saying this to George earlier. Yeah. Like, if you, like I said, if you, if you use the kind of paradigm that uh, Gilroy employ, employ, employs, right? So if you're looking at roots, you realise that this, the, whole, the whole nation is a nation of people who are mixing, moving. It's yeah. not a stagnant thing, right? Mm. So once you look at a state as something that's unchanging, that's when you have a problem. So nationalism, by definition, wants to kind of hold things down, some kind of primeval yeah. kind of... Obviously, it's all made up, right? Mm. But the idea that we're always moving, mm. if we could, if we could in, interpret it into the kind of modern narrative, the far right will have problems kind of maintaining this idea that we're defending the notion exactly. of a notion of English, yeah. we're defending the notion of whiteness or blackness or whatever it will be because we're always moving, right? Yeah. And those predominantly white spaces or homogeneously white spaces, they give a false impression that they've always been there yeah, it, and that Adib coming into Barking yeah. is somehow odd. It's alien. Yeah. No, bro, like, listen, I've been in those places, we've yeah. been here. So, like I said, here. we've been here, we've always been here. Because yeah, you were there. And you, and you were there, but no, we're always moving. But like I said, we're always, always it's moving. interchanging, right? It's, it's, yeah, 100%. So, be it... Like uh, one of my things, I, I've been looking at the migrations in like, in, po- in antiquity of like the Germanic tribes, and if you, if they didn't move, you wouldn't get all these different groups like the French existing, the Spanish, and all these other groups because people are always moving. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, <laughs> that was very good. That was. Are you big? Come for a curry, rude boy. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining no us, no Deeb. Thank you so much to our listeners. We're really excited for 2020. We've got so many exciting things coming up for you. Yeah. 2020's peak, bro. Yeah. It's, it's, it's peak, actually peak. But it's peak. We'll be bringing out the content. Yeah, yeah it's going to be amazing. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be analysing the peak times for you. If you are able to, please do consider subscribing and contributing to our Patreon. Um, all your support goes towards keeping the podcast going. Please, if you're new to the podcast, rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. It really helps us reach more people. And we will see you next week. Boom. Amazing. Thank you for listening to Surviving Society. Please support the podcast by rating, following and subscribing on your preferred podcast platform. And please consider supporting the production of the podcast by joining our Patreon community. 